What's up, everybody? And welcome to Renew Church, our virtual worship session, Church at the Studio. We want you to engage. We got the band ready. We got the singers ready. Our worship is ready. The Lord is ready. Let's go to service. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Pastor Billy. I hope you guys enjoyed worship. We are still here at Church in the Studio. Will you get your pen? Will you get your paper out? God has something uh important here that he wants to say to you as it pertains to your way of life. We're starting um, the Renew series um, this week, and I want you guys to get everything that God has for you. So will you join me in prayer? Father God, we love you. And we bless you because you're righteous and you're holy and you're sovereign and you're so good to us, Father. We thank you, Father, for you visiting us here in the studio and how worship was so potent, Father, and how your spirit is still lingering in this place. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that as we dive into your word, that the Holy Spirit will give us revelation. The Holy Spirit will give us insight and clarity, Father. I pray, Father, that your people would not only receive the word, Father, but will apply this word to their lives, Father, that they will see a difference, a renewed life life, a renewed way of life, Father. I pray for every mindset of every believer that will hear this word, Father, and I thank you now that things are already well. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you would open your words with me to Romans 12. I'm preaching the foundational scripture of this of this ministry, and when the Lord finally gave us uh, the instructions for this ministry, it was clear what the objective and the assignment was for this house, and it was to preach a renewed word that the mindsets of God's people would be renewed through his scriptures. So we're starting at Romans 12, starting at verse one and going all the way through verse two. And the word of God reads, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing and perfect will. So here in Romans, this is the Apostle Paul. He's in Corinth and he's writing to the new converts in Rome. And uh, he's not yet been able to visit them. So he's writing this letter uh, to encourage them, to give them instruction, to give them um, the order of, of, of how you live a saved uh, and Christian life. He's, he's writing to give them the roots uh, or the roots of what we believe uh, as, as believers and how we live the Christian life. So this letter uh, to Romans, uh, it stands as one of the clearest, most systematic presentations of Christian doctrine in all of Scripture. Paul begins discussing um, that which is easy uh, to observe, and it's the sinfulness of humanity. And all of us have been condemned or are condemned because of our rebellion against God. We were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity because of what happened in the garden all the way in Genesis. Because Adam and Eve's great fall, we are all born in sin. So we're all shaped in iniquity. So it's become our nature to sin against God. Um, however, God in his grace offers us justification by faith through his son, Jesus uh, when we are justified by God, we receive redemption, we receive salvation um, because of Christ's blood, uh, which was atoned for us. But Paul makes it very clear that for the believer's pursuit, it just doesn't stop with salvation. We must do extra work in our pursuit to gain uh, Christ. And that extra work is called sanctification, to be made holy. And we uh, persist after this as we follow Jesus Christ. 
Paul's treatment of these issues offer a logical and complete presentation of how a person can be saved from the penalty and the power of sin. The primary theme that's running here through um, Romans, through this letter that Paul writes, is the revelation of God's righteousness and his plan for us in salvation. One of my favorite scriptures is Romans 1, uh, 16 and 17. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews and then to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God when it is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. But the righteous man shall live by faith. So the so what what we're going off of here um, are the 11 chapters before we get to the 12th chapter. The first uh, 11 chapters are basically um, scriptures and chapters and words about how we should live. And then the next five chapters are are practical ways we put into uh, action what. Romans 1 through 11 kind of teaches us. So chapter 1 starts out with the foundation for ministry. It talks about God's righteousness, um, the gospel, faith in, and the rejection of God's uh, revelation. Chapter 2 talks about self-righteousness and judging. It talks about God's judging, uh, judgment for all people and uh, religious hypocrisy. And then chapter 3 talks about um, all people are sinful, and it talks about how we're justified freely by faith and then we move on to chapter four it talks about the righteousness and how it is accredited by by grace through faith we move on to chapter five in romans and it talks about our justification benefits and how grace abounds and then paul continues to write in chapter six about the union with christ which makes the christian life possible And then we move on to chapter seven and it talks about our sinful nature and how we were born and shaped in iniquity. Then chapter eight comes right behind that and talks about the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Chapter nine then talks about God's promise to Israel. Then chapter 10 talks about how Israel needs faith uh, to be faithful in their righteousness. And then chapter 11 talks about Israel's temporary rejection and how it would end as Israel's salvation. So we bring ourselves to chapter 12, where Paul is now uh, giving us practical instructions on how we walk out those chapters one through 11. And I'm so glad that God didn't leave us ignorant. And Paul was so uh, gracious in, in his attempt to allow us to live a better life, a renewed life, a full life in Christ Jesus. So uh, I'm a a line by line, precept by precept kind of preacher. So we're going to walk the scriptures, um, basically uh, what it says, and we're going to break those things down. So Paul begins by saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Now, this living sacrifice to God uh, is the language of the Old Testament believers, because in the Old Testament, it was uh, how the worshipers or the believers in the Old Testament had to bring sacrifices to God to atone for, for sin. They had to bring a bull. They had to bring sheep. They had to bring a pigeon. Uh, whatever was deemed as righteous, whatever was deemed as flawless, it was a sacrifice unto God. Um, there were different sacrifices, but at the heart of it all, the sacrifices were meant because uh, sin demanded some sort of punishment. And the slaying of animals represented God's willingness to accept a substitute so that the worshiper might live. So that sacrifice is what stood in the gap because of Adam and Eve's sin, that uh, the slaying of the animal and that blood was the atoning that we get the access to Jesus Christ. So um, 
But the Old Testament believers, what I really like about it, uh, Hebrew 10 talks about it. The Old Testament believers, they also knew that this wasn't the last sacrifice. According to Isaiah, we know that uh, there's a greater sacrifice coming. So it points to Christ, who is the final sacrifice for sin. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. That was the final sacrifice for sin because it was perfect and sufficient for all that would believe in Jesus Christ. And more more clearly, um, Hebrews 10 and 12 says, one of my favorite scriptures, when Christ had offered an all-time single sacrifice for sin, he sat at the right hand of God. That means when Jesus was finally done, he took his rest next to Jesus, next to God, because it had all had been finished. There was no need for anything else. So that's how the veil in the uh, in the temple had been rent from the top to the bottom when Jesus Christ laid down his life. So we no no, no longer need a pri- uh, a priest to go before us. We no longer no longer need um, uh, bulls and pigeons and things or doves to be sacrificed. Now we have access to the to, to God and to His presence um, because of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. Um, so that sacrifice uh, was the perfect work of atonement. His death. Death cannot be improved upon. It is what it is. All we have to do now is trust in the great work. It does not have to be added to. Um, the living sacrifice, the word living sacrifice, when he says it here, it does not mean the slaughtering or the sacrificing of human being. But what so what do, what it really means is uh, it involves um, the pre- the presenting of your entire self to God, not not just your mind, not just your heart, not just your service, not just your money, not just your tithes and your offering, but the whole self. This is what the sacrifice means. It means to present your body, your entire self to God. And this uh uh, the, uh, the King James Version will say it's your reasonable service, but if you do a little deeper uh, studying, you'll find out it's your spiritual worship. This is the worship that we present to God. So as Paul goes through all of these things, uh, we find out that we don't have to die and we don't have to atone for our own sins. Jesus Christ has done all of that. So what I'm going to do in this message, I'm going to break it down into four different parts. I'm going to break it down uh, with your bodies. I'm going to break down um, the living sacrifice part. I'm going to break down the holy part and then the what's acceptable to God part. So uh, I want you to get your pens out because we're starting with the body. So the word of God says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So at this point, um, he's not, Paul is not making the point that the body is the only thing that counts. He's not uh, discounting the heart because in the second scripture, you're going to find out about the mind. You're going to find out about the cardio, the the, the deeper intellect. Uh, so he says, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's not that he's discounting these other parts, but it's important that we find out why the body counts. You belong to God, both soul and body, or you don't belong to him at all. So we have a tendency as believers to only give God the parts that we deem as acceptable, what we feel like God will appreciate or we feel like um, what God um, will will give us praise for. But we don't like to give him those dirty parts of us. We don't like to give him those tainted and, 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 and toxic parts of us, which that is what he's asking for. That was the purpose of him dying. So some might think, well, why God is why God? is interested in my body why would he even consider anything about my body my body is overweight it's underweight it's achy it's diseased it's blemished it's scarred uh it's far-sighted it's crippled it has all these different uh uh ailments about it why is it important for god to receive uh my body uh what kind of sacrifice is that because if you go back to what i just said about the old testament the sacrifice had to be blameless so why then would god ask for a body that we know is racked with pain 
thing that was born in sin that is brittle and stiff, that's awkward and lazy and disabled and unattractive and nervous and all that good stuff. Why would he ask for that kind of body? But to think that way is to miss the point. The sacrifice of our bodies is not for the sacrifice of our sins. That's not why we're sacrificing our bodies. That had already been done with Christ, which is why our bodies are acceptable because of Jesus Christ. Anything that we do to God or give to God, if it's deemed as acceptable, it's only acceptable because uh, of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, because anything that we do falls short uh, of God's glory so much. So I want you to put out of your mind um, that it's about your physical appearance. It's about your body or, or, or anything that we can see with the natural eye, because that's imperfect. Jesus is perfect. We are not. So he wouldn't be asking us to present something as imperfect as our as our bodies if it couldn't be acceptable through Jesus Christ. So the offering of our bodies is not the offering of our bodily looks, but it's of our bodily behavior. In the Bible, the body is not significant because of the way it looks, but it's significant because of the way it acts. The body is given to us to make visible the beauty of Christ. And Christ at his hour uh, of his greatest beauty, the greatest time of, of, of the beauty of our Christ was at his most repulsive look. Isaiah 53, uh, 2 to 3 describes him. Uh, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. And he was despised and rejected by man and, 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 and a man of sorrows and, and acquainted with grief. The beauty of Christ was the beauty of his love, not the beauty of the way that he looks. His beauty was the beauty of his sacrifice, not of his skin. So we have to get past what we think we look like and what we think we have to offer as far as it is our, 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 our appearance. God cares nothing about that, but it's what we do with the skin that we're in, what we do with the sacrifice um, that God uh, deems us as a sacrifice. So God doesn't demand that our bodies look like models in Essence and Vogue magazine, but rather that our bodies become the models of mercy, the models of grace, the models of him. So I think that's important that we even put that in our children who are dealing with all kind of eating disorders these days, who are dealing with all kind of image uh, things that they have to deal with on uh, on all social media outlets. They have to have the perfect body. They're augmenting their bodies and what they look like based on who says what is beautiful. Uh, and that's not what God requires of us. God wants visible, lived out bodily evidence that our lives are built on his mercy, just as worshipers in the Old Testament had to deny themselves uh, of their uh, of their earthly treasures like their sheep and their goats and their bulls. And they had to carry their sacrifices to the altar of blood and fire. So do we have to deny ourselves of our earthly pleasures and things that we love so dear? That's why fasting and praying is so important. Because it causes us to push away from what we desire and focus in on what God really requires of us. So it's important that whatever you do, don't wait for your pastor to call a fast. Don't wait for uh, the top of the year to do the Daniel fast. Whenever you feel a tugging on God, when you ever feel, whenever you feel a pulling and God pu pushing you into a secret place, always remember um, that it's, it's according to uh, what you and the Lord, your relationship with the Lord. Um, so don't be afraid to go into fasting and praying um, because God requires that from us as well as our bodily sacrifice. We're moving on to part two, living. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your worship. A lifestyle visible, lived out 
uh, physical actions of mercy sometime in the Old Testament and the New Testament would result for the death of the believer. There were always models in scriptures, but that's not mainly what Paul has in mind here. Here he's talking about a lifestyle. Present your bodies a living lifestyle, a living sacrifice. Uh, it is it is your action, your worship in action that the Lord wants you to live out. Every Let every act of your body in, in living be an act of worship. Let every act of your body be a demonstration of God's grace. Let every act of your body be a demonstration of the mercies of God. That's what it means to be living. That in every step that we take, in every move that we make, we're acting out what God intends for our lives. We're, we look like the word of God. We act like the word of God. We sound like the word of God. So that's what the living parts mean. So we're moving on to three. Three is holy. I'm going to say the scripture again. I present Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Sometimes we run from this word holy. And if you grew up in church like me, uh, it just seemed like a bit much to be holy because everything was uh, frowned upon. So if you grew up in a household like mine, we couldn't watch BET because we had to live holy. We couldn't go certain places because we had to live holy. We couldn't talk to certain people because we had to live holy. Um, but I never had an understanding of what holiness meant. So I I always uh, uh, thought that holiness was, you know, wearing a suit, toting a Bible, where, you know, ladies had to wear skirts and you had to wear a doily on your head. But Jesus Christ was never talking about uh, when he says, be ye holy for I am holy. He was never talking about um, uh, the outer appearance. When Paul talks about it here, he's not talking about uh, some certain uh, denomination or sect of people being holy. It means to be separate. It means to be set apart. And probably one of the best explanations of holy bodies that we can find is in Romans chapter 6 and 13 where Paul said almost the very same thing that he says here uh, with the language of presenting our bodies to God uh, only he refers to the body as members and he says do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but uh, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. That's the living sacrifice part. And your members to God as instruments of righteousness. It just means being aware of what we're doing and where we are and how we live. My former pastor used to say it all the time. Uh, she had a great definition of, of being holy. She said it means to be careful. And I kind of sat with that thing because it always stuck with me. Um, when I'm trying to live my best life or my life according to the scriptures, I'm careful of how I treat people. I'm careful of how I represent God. I'm, care I'm careful of how um, I treat my neighbor. I'm careful of even how I respond to certain situations because I want uh i don't want my my good to be evil spoken of and i want my witness to still be potent and have its effect so i'm being holy by being careful by being mindful of where i am and what i'm doing and and where i i i, I put myself or i present myself uh hebrews 13 and 15 is is a really good scripture it says through christ then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. So when you put your lips and your praise and your heart praise together, it, it makes your body to be in worship, to be in uh, adoration with God, makes your body a holy and living sacrifice. I'm moving quickly because uh, we got a lot more to share with you and we got to do part two next week. So I'm, I'm not going to go too far. Uh, so if we go to part four, I want to go to part four. 
part four says acceptable unto God. So the word of God says, present your bodies to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Now, what more does acceptable unto God add to holy? Like you would think that holy would be enough. But the only thing that separates the holy and acceptable part is the to God part. Because it makes God explicit. You could be making your body holy for a whole lot of other things. You could be doing a whole lot of other things. Keto diet, whatever you call yourself, cleansing your body for this, that, and the third. And um, separating yourself from people because you want to be zinned and all that good stuff. But what makes this part uh, spiritual and what makes it explicit is because we mention God. That's the difference from the holy part to the being acceptable part and presenting it uh, acceptable to God. It's the fact that we put God at the very very beginning of it. The only reason why we're uh, sacrificing, the only reason why we're living, the only reason why we're trying to be holy, the only reason why we're doing all of these things is that we're acceptable to God, that our lives may be pleasing unto God. Now, what I love about the scripture, it says uh, in the King James version, it says this is our reasonable service. In the ESV version, it says it's our spiritual worship. In the NIV version, it says it's your true and proper worship. So all that translated, the reason that we live the life that we live based on what Paul is teaching us is that our worship becomes acceptable to God. And sometimes we put worship in this box that it's in a period of time um, that we have at the beginning of service. That's praise and worship. That's really good. But if praise and worship was not that, it would just be songs. If you don't have anything to offer God outside of the lyrics those are just songs so we always put worship as a set time instead of a lifestyle when God is trying to call our entire being to worship everything that we do everything that we are is about worship no title is great nothing no office that we hold is great being a pastor you know god bless it being an apostle god bless it be being an, an artist god bless that too but all of that is nothing without worship. The reason why we do what we do, the core of us being human beings, the core of us being sanctified, the core of us being Christians, we all were created to worship God in the fullness of who he is. And the only way we can properly worship God is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. And, and the King James Version lets us know that's our reasonable service. That's the least that we can do. That's our true and pure worship is to give God all of us. Now, for some of you watching, you may have been hiding for whatever reason. You may have... Uh, been feeling bad about who you are and what you've done and the mistakes that you've made and you don't know how to move past uh, your mistake you don't know how to move past that that sinful place that you've been in the only thing you have to do is just accept Christ the only thing you have to do is ask for forgiveness the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive our sins Romans what I love about the book of Romans that's the standard that's that's where we start we Romans 10 and 9 we already know that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ raised Jesus from the dead, you already know salvation belongs to you. And if you didn't know that, now you know it. So I want to do something with you. Wherever you are in your Christian walk, whether you've been on this battlefield a long time and you've gotten off because the Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But as you go through this world, you kind of conform to the patterns of it. You kind of pick stuff up, up, up along the way as you go and uh, you find yourself drifting more and more apart from Jesus, more and more apart from his 
his statues, uh, more and more a part of his commandments because you've gotten so tied up in life. I want to pray with you. I want uh, you to feel uh, better about where you are. Uh, God does not condemn you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've been in Christ Jesus, you know you're not, you're not condemned. But we allow the world and we allow things, we allow Facebook posts and Facebook prophets and preachers condemn us for making mistakes. And that's not the will of God. But it, the will of God is that you come to him, that you come honest to him. One thing I love about my favorite character in the Bible is David. One thing I love about David, David, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. But if you know the life of David, David had a whole lot of stuff going on. But no matter where David was, no matter what his issues was, no matter how he transgressed against God, he always was clear and he was always uh, open and honest with God. He never tried to hide from him. He's like, Lord, this is what it is. And I want you to do that in this very moment. Uh, don't try to hide from your sin. It's just you. It's just you and me right now. So the, 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 the playing field is leveled. You with sin. I'm with sin. The cameraman's with sin. Everybody in this room is with sin. So our only thing we can do is ask God for forgiveness. And God is faithful and just. Yes, he is faithful and just to forgive you. No, what you did last night is not that bad. But what we want to do is be renewed so we can change and not repeat the same cycles. So I want you to lift your hands right where you are as I pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know our very downfall, Father. You know our idiosyncrasies, Father. You know uh, what we did last night, Father. You know what we did last month, Father. You know the things that have been pulling us and weighing on us, Father, that we're ashamed of and we don't even want to present to you, Father, because we're so ashamed that we even let it get this bad, Father. But I thank you that you're still standing there with your arms open wide. I thank you, Father, that you've not condemned us like the world does, Father, but you have given us another chance, Father. So right now in this moment, help us to know what it is to present our bodies to you as a living sacrifice, Father. They're frail. Father, they're contrary to your word, Father. Sometimes our bodies do what they want to do, Father. But in this present moment, we sacrifice it. We sacrifice it by lining it up with your word. Father, we sacrifice our bodies by trying our best to live holy for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the person watching and the person listening right now, Father, that's overcome with guilt and shame, Father, that the shackles of depression and oppression would be broken off of them even now, Father. I pray, Father, that you would be everything that they need to succeed, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you right now for forgiving us of our sins, Father. I thank you that your blood that you shed over 2,000 years ago, it still works and it still covers, Father. We thank you and we receive the blessing of God. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't want to move on and not offer you Jesus Christ. You may have been listening to the message and, and you uh, don't know where you fit. You, don't even, you can't even get to the sacrifice part because you haven't presented yourself to God. You haven't believed in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I just repeated it, uh, Romans 10 and 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. My favorite, uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth him shall not per perish but have everlasting life. If you want to be saved right now, you have but to type it below. One of our decision counselors will help you. We'll, we'll get with you on Facebook and we'll walk you through the prayer of salvation. If you want to become a member of this church, if you want to know more about how to be renewed, I want you to come back next week because I know this was a little somber because it's so heavy and giving instructions. But next week, um, we're going to talk about transformation. And I really want you to be here for the transformation word. So if you want to be transformed and you believe like Renew Church, that Renew Church is a good place for you. 
will help you uh, become a new person and, and change your mindset, I want you to just write in the comments, say, I want to be a part. I want to be a partner of Renew Church Texas. And one of our decision counselors will help you today. So I love you and I pray the word is a blessing to you. Now don't miss next Saturday. We will be here again with a word from the Lord continuing in our Renew series. God bless you.